Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. I'm back with Steve Payne. The last time we talked, Steve, we had just gotten to the Mediterranean and you had talked about uh, being in Nice and we still have a long ways to go. We need to get down to where you currently are, which is in, uh, in Malta. So let's continue Correct. with the story. Again, for our listeners that are just tuning in for the first time, describe your boat and what your voyage has been up to this point in time. Uh, my boat is a Birchwood TS-37, which is 37 feet, 11.3 meters. It has two 225-horsepower Mercruiser engines, and I bought it at uh, Bray, uh, Bray Marina, just west uh, of London. And I did not know anything about boats before I bought it. In fact, the kind of the first night I slept on a boat was the day after I bought the boat. So everything has been pretty much self-taught and I'm still afloat and still having fun. And where are you right now? You're in Malta right now, right? Yeah, I'm in Malta. Malta's a strange little place. It's super, super friendly. And um, there are about 470,000 people on a relatively small island. It's only like, I don't know, 12, 15, 16, 17 miles across, 26 miles long. Um, it doesn't feel crowded, and it's uh, it's got it's very Malta. The, when you, it's got a very distinctive look to it, like the houses and the buildings. Um, the the language is is quite recognisable. It, it sounds a little bit between uh, Arabic. It, Italian and something else. I don't know. Um, but most people speak English anyway, so it's not, uh, the language isn't required, which is one of the reasons I ended up here. Okay. Well, we, uh, the last time we talked, and our listeners need to go to listen to the previous episode, you took us from England down through the French canals and into the Mediterranean, and you'd just taken a left turn. And uh, I think we'll start out with basically you arriving near Nice and then go from there. Now, listeners, this is a this is a powerboat. This is what I think probably the first time I've actually interviewed a powerboat or as opposed to a sailor. So this is a, a first for you, Steve. So let's yeah. continue on from um, from Nice and take it away. Where did you go after that? Well before we get to that, I did think about getting a real boat, the stick and rag, but I to bring one of those boats through the French canals is problematic because you have a keel and um, and a mast. The mast has to, has to come off and you're going to run aground with the keel at some point. Um, you can do it, but you kind of need a retractable keel. So I ended up buying, buying the powerboat and, um, and I'm very happy with, with what I chose. Um, it, it did very well through the French canals, but it also has done me very well since I got to the Mediterranean. All right. 
That's uh, we we talked about that a little bit in the last podcast, but it's good to re-clarify yeah. that. That's good. So uh, when I got to the Mediterranean, I, I turned left and I headed up the coast of France. And uh, I, I took it very slowly. You know, I would do 20, 30, 40 kilometers a day. And I'd usually stay on the hook. But a couple of times I, I stayed in a marina and I worked my way around through the, the Saint-Tropez area which is just, it's just beautiful. It's so nice there. And there's a very large marina called Coglion, um, which is in the a sort of, if you go past Saint-Tropez, turn left and go inland, there's a big bay there. And I stayed there for a few weeks. Uh, it was about, I think it was about 26 euros a night there. Very friendly people. Um, there's a sushi bar right in the marina. And I could get a few things delivered. And I had some family who lived close by there as well. Okay. Now, you said you stayed on the hook most nights. Uh, is there that many places to anchor along the coast of France? Well, I yeah, yes, there are. There's lots. Um, there's uh, a website called No Foreign Land. And uh, I used that. And I used Navali a lot to find places to just pull over and stop anywhere i i would drop anchor anything less than 10 meters i felt quite comfortable um never really dragged an anchor and the weather was very pleasant if i thought there was a bit of a storm coming i'd go to the nearest marina and i'd stay there until it passed and did you use predict wind uh no i used windy okay and and navali and um a, a multitude of other um other uh websites there's a very good one called donia um let me just spell it for you um i don't know if i have it here it is uh, d-o-n-i-a donia which is a free French app, which guides you into places you can anchor safely. It tells you places you shouldn't anchor because there's some protected areas that they just don't want anyone dropping an anchor at. And they're very clearly marked there. And they also try and keep you updated on the position of the sea, the, the sort of seabed. If there's too much weed down there, it's marked, and you can kind of avoid that. And the, it, it's updated quite often with satellite pictures. So that was a very useful, very useful app. I interviewed the founder of No Foreign Lands a couple times, and I was oh, cool. actually I was actually invited to be an investor in in their up, upgrade on their app, which at the time mm -hmm. I was putting too much money into my garage, and I couldn't didn't have any excess cash for it. But I think it's turned out to be a a pretty good app since they've updated it. So yes, it's very good, very good, very yeah. useful. Jack Andrews uh, lined me up, and he's one of the investors, and he uses it a lot. And he started out in uh, in Croatia, and now he's in the Medi or in the Caribbean somewhere with his family. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, he really likes no foreign lands, and I've looked at that, and I also like Navali, just like you do. Uh, Navali would give me much more information than most of the pilots would. 
when I was yeah. traveling along. So the pilots were were okay for broad brushes, but to get into the little tiny areas with knowledge from other sailors, I found Navali to be pretty good. And I haven't used no foreign lands for that that much yet, so maybe I should look into that a little more. Yeah, I, I th- I'm very supportive of people trying to do social things with boats and stuff. And so I... I the, I, I add photographs. I I add if I find a good anchorage, I'll post it on the the app and stuff. Um, it's it's very much user generated. Um, Navali is good because if you you know you're you're sailing, it's getting dark and you want to pull into a marina, you can go on Navali and book a book a berth in a marina on Navali very quickly people usually get back to you very fast especially in france italy not so much but in france i found navali to be extremely useful because they would get back to you in a couple of minutes going yeah we've got a spot for you come on in call us on channel 13 when you get close okay so actually saint tropez is before nice so let's work our way up from saint tropez to uh as you're working your way i you're you're covering an area that i never covered in my almost 30 years of sailing in the Mediterranean. I never sailed in France with the exception of uh, a a short amount of time in Corsica. So this is all new territory to me. I don't have any knowledge, any local knowledge of the areas you're talking about. Right. Um, I went on holiday with a girlfriend of mine back in maybe 1982, 83, and we stayed near Saint-Tropez, and we would sit on the beach, drinking wine, eating crackers, and reading the Hitchhiker's Guide to each other, and just cracking up and having a blast. So I really wanted to go back to Saint-Tropez and, and spend some time there, and it's, it's beautiful. It's just such a nice area of France. And that whole area from Saint-Tropez all the way to the Italian border uh, the Côte d'Azur is just beautiful. I mean, there's so many like big cliffs and caves and beaches and castles, and, and it's just a wonderful place to spend some time um, in the summer or the winter. I think it's 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 beautiful. beautiful. So, what's it like in the winter? Is it does it ever get very cold? Um, I spent Christmas and the New Year in Nice, and I could pretty much go out. I mean, if it was raining, I'd put a raincoat on. But apart from that, I would just wear a shirt. It, it wasn't. It never got cold. I mean, if you wake up in the early morning, it, yeah, it might be a little bit frosty. But you know, go back to bed and then you know get up at nine or ten. It was the weather was fantastic. It was really good there. I'm not saying it's always going to be good because you know it's the weather, but. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy the winter in that, that area. In fact, some people will tell you the winter is nicer there than the summer because it's not crowded. I mean, people people down in the south of France love their boats, but it can get a little bit crowded in the winter, in the summer rather, but it, it's still very, very nice. I, I think that whole, the whole area, spectacular, very, very, very friendly um, and, and, and you know, great food, great people, really good. I know I had to jump in the water when I put my boat in, <laughs> wrapped, my, wrapped a uh, 
mooring line around my propeller in Alicante, or excuse me, El Miramar, Spain, uh, this right. winter in January. And it was pretty brisk. And I imagine it is even more brisk uh, in France in the winter. Probably. So I, you- I have um, I have a, a like a, a cheap wetsuit that I bought because I had to jump into the canals in France when I got a, a line tangled up in the, the one of the propellers. Um, I, I think I went, I think I got one fishing line tangled at some point. And I, I, you know, it's one of those things you like, you know what, okay, I just have to do this. So I might as well just put on the wetsuit, jump in, suffer for a few minutes and climb back out again. But it was so, I'd rather do it there than in Dover or Brighton or something. So. Yeah, I used to have I used to have a little light uh, uh, wetsuit, but I've <laughs> fortunately outgrown that, and I couldn't get it on anymore. So I I just went in bare skinned, like a walrus, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but walruses have got like you know 150 <laughs> kilos of fat on them, and well, I'm I'm assuming you don't have. No, no, I'm six two and weigh two ten, so there's a little bit, but not too much. So right, yeah. right. That's good. That's good news. Yeah. But one of the things I don't know if I mentioned to the, I don't think I did. Uh, one of the things I did come up with when I was in that area, um, just like towards the late summer, there's a couple of islands. It's um, Ile Saint Marguerite, which is just south of Cannes, and it's a beautiful. It's two little islands um, close together, and there's a nice area between the two islands that's very sheltered in the summer i'm not joking you might have 1200 boats moored there (laughs) i mean i and i'm not exaggerating i can send you photographs to prove it but what they do there's people going around with little boats selling you cocktails there's a pizza boat there um you know a, a, a little bar boat will cruise by and say you know do you want some beer and they'll sell you some beer that's cold and um, it, there's quite a nice atmosphere there. But I was talking to someone and I, I, about the, the interactivity, and I came up with this idea of, of flying a flag that signaled to the people around you that you were friendly. Come up and say hello. Um, and I started this thing called the Friendly Flags. And if you type in Friendly Flags a few times, you might have to search it. <laughs> Uh, Google takes a while before it adopts the, the right website. But friendly flags are um, a flag. You just, it's a black and white symbol of two hands shaking. And you um, you fly it if you want people to come up and say hello. And and people do. It's, it's odd. Even though, even if they don't know that the flag is a friendly flag, they'll go, oh, we like your flag, you know. And then you can start a conversation with Okay, so I see I, I just typed it in, and uh, here's a friendly flags on Etsy, and I do see one with uh, people shaking hands, black and white, with people shaking hands. Is that what it is? I don't know what you're looking at, so I can't so say. Describe so the, describe the flag to me, then. It's a black and white flag with um, two hands shaking. Yeah, yeah I'm white, seeing that. I'm seeing that. It's, mm-hmm. it's white on black. Yeah, it's friendlyflag.net. Yep. Okay. Yep, that's it. All right. And I've got, I've, so far, I've, I've 
sent out or given away about 1,500, 1,600 flags. Um, I've sold enough to make it that it, it's not costing me money, but I've, I give away so many because I just want the flags to get out there. And I've met people that have said, oh, yeah, you know, they're like, you started this? Oh, my God, this is wonderful. We've met so many people because a few people know about it and a few people are like, what's that about? So it's just, it's working, but it's only been out there one year. Okay, so, so I've, got, I've got the website up. And for people that are listening, do you want me to give out the phone number? Um, the phone number is not that much good. It's more like the... Um, okay, the friendly flag at gmail.com. The friendly flag, all spelled out. And then uh, yeah, and I just filled good. out I just filled out your contact list and it says sent, so I'm now uh, on your on your cool. website. So picture. So you set up this website yourself then? Yes, yes, that's all my idea. Um, okay. And I'm gonna I keep pushing it. I don't push it all the time because oh you know you just, people get bored if you push stuff too much they're like oh you're just marketing and i'm like no no it's just a really good idea but um i i I talk about it when i can but i try not to get too boring about it but uh yeah so that's one that's one of the ideas i came up with when i was in the south of france and i i stayed there until the spring and then i'm like you know what much as i love this place uh i i gotta move on I mean, Nice is the, the the marina in Nice is right in the middle of the old town of Nice, and you you walk off the marina on the pontoon, and you're right in the middle of Nice. And it was in the winter; it was fifteen euros a night. Hmm. Okay, I'm trying to save the image. Uh, I copied it from your website to put it in the show notes. But I'll doesn't. send you. Some. Okay, send, send me them. one because this is a web a WEBP format, which I can't load up into my WordPress yeah. site. So that doesn't do me any good. So send me a send me a couple images and I'll add them to those show notes then. But I see right, you. your smiling face holding the flag. <laughs> Yay! That'd be me. <laughs> okay, yeah, that'd be good. Let's. Uh, so. Have you sailed out? Have you sailed around and seen these flags up and about? Then How yes, about? yes. Okay. I, I I went the when I pulled into uh, which one was it? Ragusa. Ragusa is in Sicily. Yep, that's where Jack stayed for one winter. He talked a lot one, about that. So that's where I am. Also, the, the founder of No Foreign Lands was in that same marina the year they started it. Yeah. It's a beautiful marina. They're very friendly there. And it's just, it's got a bit more of an, a sort of friendly edge to it. It's like every Sunday, everyone meets at this, this sort of bar restaurant just, to, uh, just near the marina and, and gets to know each other. It's very friendly, um, l- lovely marina. Um, and I, I, I stayed there for about, uh, I think, a week. But as I was backing in, I noticed the guy directly behind me was flying a friendly flag. And I'm like, there you go. And I, so I got talking to him and he, he lived there at the Marina on his boat. And, um, I, I gave out a, probably 10 more flags as I was walking around. Um, it's, it's a good way of getting talking to people. Um, 
but yeah, I, I've I've met several people, and um, I, I will continue to do so. I gave out a flag to someone just today. You know, and he's a, a local boater here, and he's like, "What's that flag?" And I'm like, "It's a friendly flag." So he got some flags. All right. Well, good. That's a that's good information. I'll fly one if I get one flag. Are they? Uh, yeah, I'll send you one. Okay, great. Thanks. Okay. Um, all right. So, so we got off on a little tangent. That's good. But uh, I, I see on this website, uh, friendlyflag.net. Also, it's got links to your videos. And a lot of information as well. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, there's some other stuff there. It's called Jaywalking the World. Is that right? Jaywalking the World is my is the name of my boat ah. and is the name of the YouTube channel that I have. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a, a filmmaker and I'm very familiar with cameras. So when I bought a boat, I'm like, you know what? I should just film a few things. So I started shooting stuff about four years ago. And I think I'm editing episode 89 now. And I, I don't have that many viewers. I think there's like 2,600 subscribers. And, you know, you get uh, between 500 and 1,500 views per video. You don't make any money out of it. I mean, I, I think I make <laughs> five, between 5 and $10 a month out of Google AdSense. But I quite often, I just say no advertising because I, it's like the amount of money you make. It's not worth it. Exactly. It's just not yeah. worth it. That, the, interrupting people watching it. Yeah. Yeah. To subject your viewers to ridiculous advertisements to make a tenth of a cent is just not worth it. So I usually just don't, I don't monetize the videos. It's just, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, because there were a few successful sailors out there like Delos and Say La Vie. Uh, everybody that goes sailing thinks they're going to make money and pay for their hobby by, by uh, yeah. putting together YouTube videos. And I've interviewed a few of them and, I, and they're all interesting people, but yeah. I think, I think that'd be better. The time would be better spent actually doing producing something else, some other service or something like that. But uh, well, I I do it because it just keeps my little creative muscle fit. You uh -huh. know, it's, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy I enjoy shooting stuff, but it's not like I carry the camera with me all the time, um, and I I just do it when I feel like it. And I try and, like, I, I came across someone the other day. He wrote me an email, said, oh, my God, I just came across your channel. You're doing exactly what I want to do next year. And there's so much good information in your videos. I cannot thank you enough. And I'm like, send money. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. You, know, that you, you can always do a Patreon. And I have a, yeah. I have a few Patreons, and I get maybe $100 a month. And, yeah, well, correct. probably a little less than $100 a month. But I don't yeah. push it. You know, I don't push it. I'd love it if I made uh, $1,000 a month. But the reality is it's not going to affect my lifestyle for $80 no. or $1,000. It's not that big a deal. 
So thousand dollars a month would actually change my life. A <laughs> <laughs> I could say several tasteless jokes there, but I won't because I'm a good boy. But um, yeah, I, I I have a Patreon page. It's just jaywalking, uh, jaywalking the world. You can find it. Um, and what I do, I do that because what I try and do is people who are genuinely interested in what I'm doing feel like they want to support me in doing what I'm doing. And they can ask me specific questions about what I'm doing. And I do, I've done a couple of live chats. If any of them have any questions, I'm like, yeah, just email me and answer me. I mean, if anyone contacts me on, on YouTube, I'll, I'll write back to them. You know, it's like I, I'm not one of those people that has so many, so many people trying to contact them. It's just not too much. You know, it's like I, I just I try and get back to people, and it's you know it's very positive. You you get you get feedback telling from people telling you that you've inspired them to do something crazy like buy a boat, and I'm like I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I hope it works out for you, uh, but <laughs> it, it, it's like I because I what I do when I do my videos I put in the downs as well as the ups. It's not all about you know yeah we pulled into this beautiful bay in the Caribbean and here's my gorgeous wife's ass. Look at this, you know. It's like they don't have any clickbait. You really don't want to see me in a bikini. So <laughs> I, I, I don't have that many viewers. Maybe I should get myself a clickbait girlfriend or something like that so that I can take photographs of her as she dives elegantly off the front of the boat. Because <laughs> 90, I think I looked at it the other day and I think it was 94% of the people viewing my channel on YouTube are male. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and that always uh, attracts uh, the male eye. Let's face it. So. Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, if, if someone, I don't mind. If I mean, it's like if you take a channel like Sailing Uma. Do you know, you know the guys from Uma? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they're they're attractive people, but we don't always see photographs of of asses. You know, it's like they they just do a they put together a really good channel, and you know it it it. it you can learn stuff and you get inspired by it. And I, I've met Kiki and Dan are, are fantastic people. They're really nice. If you haven't interviewed them yet, you might want to because they're, they're fantastic. Haven't interviewed um, them yet. Nope. Very approachable. Very experienced. I mean, when they bought their boat, they knew nothing about it. And they, I think they paid $5,000 for a, a beat up Pearson. And, um, Re- took a year to refit it and then just set sail and you know they've been all over the place now and it's it's one of the few channels that I still watch I don't I wish I still watched Dallas because they're super nice people I've spoken to Brady and I've spoken to Brian but I don't want to see their their children you know it's like whatever I don't care <laughs> yeah and, and and same with the vagabond. I mean, they're they're really nice people, but I I don't care about your children. I don't, you know. And, and luckily, Uma have said that they they're not going to have any kids. 
for the foreseeable future. So <laughs> I support, you know. But they, I mean, they have a Patreon channel and they probably, they probably do very well at it. They probably get a couple of thousand euros a, a month out of it. And that's great because it means they can carry on doing what they're doing. Um, I just try and make my channel entertaining, informative, and painless. <laughs> yeah. The pain's mine, but it's not painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually just uh, logging into my website right now, uh, medsailor.com, because there was a guy that I interviewed on the phone years ago. And then I'm in uh, Cape Verde, and there's this guy walking around and uh, by himself, single handed sailing. I said, Let me get an interview with you. And he says she, so he comes over to the boat, sits down. We have a long start into the interview. And about 15 minutes into the interview, I realized, and he realized at about the same time that we had talked before on my podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's continue on with your travels because we're already oh. half an hour into this interview and we haven't even got out of, out of France yet. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, one day um, in the spring of uh, last year and I'm like you know what uh, it's time to go was it this year in fact I, I'm like it's it's time to go and so I, I said goodbyes to the, the, the nice people in, in Nice and I I set off for um, there's, I went to Monaco uh, um, Monaco uh, but the trick is you don't stay in the Monaco marina about 500 meters east of Monaco is another marina, which technically is in France, but you could literally throw rocks at the nice boats in Monaco and break windows. It's that close. Um, and so I, I stayed there for a few days. There's probably the best. I'm going to do an entire uh, video about this supermarket in, in Monaco that is the best supermarket I've ever been to in my life. Um, so I'm going to do that. And and so I bought all my provisions there um, and then set off uh, to Italy. And off, off I went. Um, and I, 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 the first... Now, the isn't, first isn't night, the harbor in Monaco super expensive? It is. In the summer, it's ridiculously expensive. In the winter, it's it's. 40 euros a night. Okay. And uh, you, if you want to just pop into Monaco, you have to call them on the phone or radio, but the phone's kind of a bit easier. And just say, is it okay if I pop in and just stay there for four hours? And they'll absolutely tell you yes. And they'll send out a little tender that'll guide you to where they want you to stay. And then you moor up, tie off, and um, spend a few hours in Mon Monaco, and and then leave. But they're very friendly there. But you know, I mean, it's it, it's an expensive place. It's an expensive. Well, well, I'm zoomed in on the harbor right now, and it looks like all it is is, except for a little tiny portion, a bunch of mega yachts in there. Yeah, but they'll fit you in anyway. They, you know. <laughs> okay. They're all. They're on Navali, and if you tell them your boat is 11 meters, they'll just fit you in there somewhere. Um, very nice people. And, and Monaco is a, a beautiful little place, you know. It's an interesting city. It's, it's very, 
very densely populated because it's like it is kind of its own country, but it's just, you know, 10 story, 20 story tower blocks. And that's all it is. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Oh, yeah. But the uh, but the best supermarket was in Monaco. I wonder why that is. I well, because they've got um, a discerning, you know, shoppers. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was so nice. When you arrive there, there's someone that's, that sort of welcomes you in. And then if you go to the wine thing, they've got um, like a rubber mat on the floor in case you drop wine so it doesn't break. They had old people working there who specifically to help other old people. Hmm. You know, it's like it's just it's just friendly. They on Thursday afternoons, it was the quiet shopping time. When they turn all the music off, and it's just, and there's no noise. You can walk around. I was curious. I went in there on the Thursday afternoon, and it was just very peaceful and stuff. And and there's people handing out free samples, and you're like, oh, would you like some of this soup? And you're like, yes, I'd love to try that. You know, I could have probably eaten quite well just on the free samples there. And they'd hired someone to do the lighting. The lighting in the I mean, I'm a camera operator. I'm fussy about lighting. I won't go to a barber shop if they've got bad lighting. Because the way I look at it is, if they can't figure out that their lighting sucks, they can't figure out my hair. Um, but they'd hired a lighting designer to go in and just make everything really beautiful. So that was my experience in in, in Monaco. But um, yeah, two or three days there, and then it was like off to Italy. And um, I, I arrived and I spent a night in one marina. But the, the marinas in Italy were a good 30% more expensive than the marinas in France. Interesting. I would have expected the opposite. Okay. So would I. So would I. But you're like, whoa. You know, so if you, you're like, do I really want to pay 70 euros a night? to go into that marina or shall I just you know quite often you could find a little bay nearby excuse me find a bay and and just drop the hook there and 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 stay over and if you needed to go and do some shopping you could just pop into the marina for a few minutes do the shopping and get out of there um the but I I found Italy to be a little bit less friendly than France. And I'm I was surprised by that. I'm sorry, am I interrupting something? No, I, my phone's ringing and I'm just going to reject that call and be on. Oops, there we go. All right, continue on. So, so yeah, um, so I found, I found the Italians to be not quite as friendly as the French. And I was kind of surprised by that because... The French have a bit of a reputation for being a little bit snooty, but I found that to be absolutely untrue, and I didn't come across one bad attitude the whole time I was there, and I was there a year going through France. Um, Italy was friendly, um, but not quite as friendly as they were in France. In France, if, if you walk past someone, you go out for a little hike in the morning, you walk past someone, they're going to say, bonjour. Bonjour, bonjour, monsieur. And you don't really get that in Italy. They'll just keep walking, which is fine. But it's like it, the French were exceptionally, exceptionally friendly. 
but uh, Italy not quite as friendly. And <laughs> I wonder if well, if I turn off the phone, then I'll forget to turn it back on, and then I'll be in trouble. So just just deal with the phone ringing every so often. I'm at my office, and I actually have to do work for a day job. So okay. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so I, I moved my, my boat around the coast of Italy relatively quickly because it was expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, then I found a port called Livorno. <laughs> that person is consistent. I'm not familiar with the number, though. So it's a 541 area code. I have no idea who it is. Put that on vibrate and then hide uh, the phone. I'm just going to unplug my phone for the time being. There you go. Yeah. That works. Let's see here. Okay, good. So let's see. Yeah. I think that'll work. It's too complicated. It's a LAN. It's an internet phone, so I'm not sure which internet. Well, I'll just unplug the power. That's a better way to do it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Take that phone. <laughs> All right. Okay, so sorry to for, sorry for the interruption. So that's okay. Um, so then I I found a little. So, so uh, let me port. let me let me talk to you. Uh, I, let me pull up uh, Italy. Hold on here. And so, what ports did you stop in in Italy then? Uh, the first one I stopped in to spend any time was a place called Livorno, which is just um, it's north of Rome. Okay, so you zip pack past Genoa and Cinque Terre and all that fairly quickly then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were expensive. And I'm like, you know what? If you're going to charge me a bunch of money, I'm just going to pass on by. Um, I, I just, I, I, I'm not rich. I, I don't have money to spare. And, um, you know, wish you well, but see you later. Bye. And I would scoot on by. Um, but um, I found a place in Livorno. Well, I found a place in Aspesia, um, but I only stayed there one night, and I, I wasn't in the marina. I found um, just, there's that little island um, just south of that bay, and I, I popped in there and 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 spent the night. Um, I didn't get off the boat, and then I I headed south to Livorno. And I found this little, it's not really a marina, but it was a place they did boat repairs and they had a fuel station and there were some places to tie off. And, and so I pulled up and I tied off there and I went into the office and I said, you know, can I stay here the night? And they're like, absolutely. It's 20 euros a night. You can stay as long as you want. I'm like, fantastic. And, I mean, they didn't have internet and their, their toilets were a little janky. I mean, the whole place was a little janky, but it was 20 euros a night and I was in, in Italy and I'm like, I was completely happy and they were very friendly and there was a big storm about to blow through. So I'm like, there, I do not want to be out in that storm I mean, there were like going to be four meter waves and I'm like, no, not in my little boat. So I just, um, I pulled into Livorno. I stayed there, I think, maybe 10 days because it was nice, you know. Hmm. 
And then um, we headed south to, oh, where did I go? Um, Carvo. I got fuel in Carvo. And then I headed down to um, Rome, basically. <coughs> um, I had been told that there was a, a very nice marina just near a little town called Fium, Fiumicino. Uh-huh, that's right which, by the airport, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right by the airport, um, just off the river Tiber. Yeah, and, and I've, I've looked at that, and I've actually talked to people that have stayed in that marina. And, the Blue uh, Dolphin? Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. Fabulous place. Just so nice, so friendly. Um, uh, Dominica, the guy who runs it, was just couldn't couldn't have been friendlier. Um, they had a restaurant there. Um, I think the only drawback I could find was that it was about three k to the local supermarket. Uh, but I had a little I had a little um, electric scooter that I could ride there on the back streets of of of, of, of um, Fromentino. And so I, I, you know, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but there's no, there's no local shops around there. That is a problem because almost all sailors, the first thing they do is say, where's the grocery store? <laughs> yeah. The, the grocery store was a Conan superstore and it was about two, two or three K away, but you know, that's not too much. Okay. So you stayed there for a little while and then continued south. Now you're almost getting to where I've covered the area before. Once you get down to uh, near the Bay of Naples, I've spent quite a bit of time there. But you're working your way south. How long did it take you to get down there? Well, I went to a little place called Gaeta. 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 I I wintered my boat there one year, and it's one of my favorite little towns. But the marina's not cheap. (laughs) <laughs> no, the marina is not cheap, but there's a very secluded anchorage just outside the marina um, that's just very well protected. And so I, I would, I stayed in the marina one night, and I, I made friends with the lady who was running the place. She gave me a thing. She's, she's like, it's okay. I know that it's to stay here so i'm going to give you this little pass thing so you can lose you can use the laundry and you can use the toilet if you want to and the washrooms even though you're not actually staying in the marina yeah she's a nice lady i think her i can't remember her name for sure but it, for some reason and the name Anne comes to mind but it's um, her and her brothers that run it or maybe kate something like that but uh now the lady i talked to i believe was called flavia but she okay. was um you know just just very sweet very accommodating, very nice, and it's a, a, a beautiful spot. I mean, what a nice town. Yeah, it's one of those places I tell people about, but I say don't tell anybody else about it. To me, it was one yeah. of the most delightful towns in Italy I visited. So. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Um, there's a bit of an odd history with the American Navy because there's a big <laughs> warship that is based well, right that's where one of our fleets is based is right there. And I once took my boat and went in and out of the, the main Navy fleets there. I don't think I could yeah. do it now, but back then I could just take my boat and wander around the big ships. But that is where uh, 
I forget what fleet it is. It may be the America's fifth fleet is based there. But one of the major yeah, fleets in the Mediterranean. The, the main boat that they have there is, it's basically the world's most advanced boat-borne intelligence-gathering things. You know, it, it just sucks in information. They've got helicopters and other things. But it's kind of odd because they used to be very friendly with the local town but then and they there were some american barracks up on the hill just immediately south of the marina and they um one of the guys there was telling me the story about how they um they bought they decided to buy the land but after buying the land they said you can't be italian and come onto this land you have to be American. And the Italians got a bit upset by the fact that they had, because there's a park sort of next to it, and the Americans bought all that and said, no, you, you can't come on to this mm. property anymore. So the Italians were like, okay, well, you can't come into the town anymore. You, you, you can't rent property. You can't send your children to the schools. You can't, and they all fell out. Um, and now there's very little interactivity between the Americans there and the Italians there. And the Italians are like, we don't like them. And That's... the Americans are like, you know, whereas it, 20 years ago they were super good friends. But yeah, because I, I was that I was there back in the 1990s, and it was very pleasant, and there was no no animosity at that point in time. So yeah, but. The Americans changed it, and the Italians did not like it being changed. They were like, we liked it being friendly. We don't like it being unfriendly, but if they're going to be unfriendly, we're going to be unfriendly. Yeah. So they they closed the American school down, all which in, is sad. All in the you name know, of security. <laughs> all uh, this, Don't get me don't started. Even, it just irritates me to death, this nonsense that we're going through. So, yeah, okay. So, so anyway, I stayed there a week and because um, uh, I had some friends who were in the marina and then I, I'm like, okay, start the big push south. So hold and on, so, before we go any farther, I'm looking for this little bay that you talked about that you, uh, you anchored in. So is it, oh, is back, it, is it um, in Navali? Is it in Navali? Did you find it in Navali? Um, which one are you talking about? The, the bay you stayed in that you anchored in in Gaeta. Oh, it's right outside the marina. I, I could row my boat to the marina. <laughs> okay, so you just rowed into the marina then. Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the marina now, and I can see just to the north of the marina, there's a few boats anchored there. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was. All right, so I would, I would literally row my boat in, do some shopping, and then row my boat out. Luckily, I have a working outboard now, so I'm much better. But back then, I didn't, so I would just row. <clears throat> okay, continue on from Gaeta then. From Gaeta, I carried on south, and I, I began to get a bit more like, okay, let's 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 do this thing. You know, it's like gotta get there, gotta get there. Um, and started moving on, and I, I stayed in a bay just near um, Napoli, but not in Napoli. I, just as you 
it's called Faro Camp Faro Capo Misero, no, Mizeno. But it's uh, just there was a nice little secluded bay, and I'm like, I'm stopping there the night. And then I woke up in the morning and I carried on. I met some friends in uh, Salerno. Okay. So I, I went I went south to Soreto and I stayed in Soreto. Okay, so I'm looking at uh, Cap, Cape Mazzino and I see that that's where you are just just uh, just just to the east of uh, Ischia. Is that right then? Yes. Am I looking at the right pot, spot? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it looks like there's a few anchorage spots in there and yep. uh, and also a couple little marinas in there. Yes, yeah, but I didn't go into the marinas because they were all expensive. Okay, okay. And then I, I crossed the uh, Gulf of Naples, Gulf of Napoli, and I went to I think Soreto, and then I'm like I should go to Capri because that looks nice, and so I, I went to the Isle of Capri, and again they've got a, a lovely marina, but it was way too expensive. It was like 80 euros a night. And so I just, I, I stayed in the bay for a bit. And then I, I popped around the, the corner and I stayed in a very sheltered spot just on the east side of, of Capri. Okay. Okay. I stayed in that marina a couple times. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, this is back in uh, probably 79, probably 1990. And it was expensive right. even back then, so it's never been cheap. But no. I but I never stayed on the east side. I went around to the south side and anchored. But boy, it was rolly. Boy, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I just found a little spot on the east side, just chucked away. And I mean, it was a really amazing spot to stay at because there were these thousand foot cliffs above me, and. You know, if a rock had fallen off the cliff, it could have hit the boat. Because I was snug tight into the... Because I had to get close to the coast because otherwise it was, you know, 35 meters down and I can't drop an anchor that deep. So did you, so run, went, did you run a line to shore to keep yourself from sliding out then? No. I okay. stayed on the... You just, just free-floated then. Okay. Well, I dropped I dropped anchor. I went in really close, dropped anchor, stayed the night, and then moved on in the morning. Yeah, but I mean, you didn't have. When I say free floater, I meant on the anchor. You just circled around the anchorage. When I say that, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm looking at these uh, little indentations along the east side, and it looks like there's some really fun little anchorages if you can get in there. And yeah. I, I don't see any well, boats on Google Earth that are in there right now, but so. But you decided to give it a shot. In bad weather, that wouldn't be good. But if it had settled weather, oh, that would be okay. In the, the wind was blowing from the west, and I was very, very sheltered. Uh, it was a very peaceful night. Um, you know, the only thing that woke me up was the tourist boats in the morning. Um, you know, you get a slight wake from them, and I'm like, oh. But, yeah, all night long, it was completely peaceful. Very nice. All right. So where did you go from there? Did you head over to the mainland again, or did you head straight south? Yeah, I had some friends of friends to meet 
in Salerno. Okay. So I, I went across to Salerno and I met the friends for lunch. And then there was a little marina in just near Salerno, not the main marina in Salerno. There's a little marina about, I don't know, 600 meters. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Um, Porto Turistico Masuccio, anyway, Salerno, yeah. Yeah, that one. Okay. That was a bit of an interesting stay because I pulled in and there was no one around. I mean, it, we're off season right now, but there was no one around. And then I, so I, I moored up and I walked into the, the bar that's actually on the little breakwater there. And she said, you know, have a beer. So she gives me a beer. And um, she says, I'll call the lady in charge. And the lady in charge comes out and she goes, well, it's, it's 70 euros a night. And I'm like, well, that's a bit expensive. She goes, yeah, that's just what we charge. And it was a kind of shitty marina. It wasn't really that nice. It was kind of beat up and needed fixing. And she's like, yeah, the, the, the washroom doesn't work. And the laundrette's not working. And, I, and then she's like, but, you know, you're very welcome. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. So I gave her the money. And then I got out to the boat and... Uh, the, I, I tied off at the where she told me to to birth, and the, the the electricity was off. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just I was gonna stay there for a few nights, but I'm like, nah. So I just I, I left in the morning, but um, but she did want to be paid in cash, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't 150 euros then. Well, then I just walked away. But um, yeah, so I handed over the 70 euros in cash and then left early in the morning because why not? Yeah. Yeah, when I pulled into Salerno years ago, that was when my wife and family were flying out of Rome. So I needed a place uh, to to tie up. And I I went right to the uh, Salerno Yacht Club and asked if there was an empty berth there. And they said, yeah, so-and-so's gone for a couple of weeks. You can take his slip. And right. uh, and it wasn't unreasonably expensive, as I recall. And they would watch my boat while I went and did a bit of a land jaunt. So I left, took my family up to Rome. And then from there, I went up to Venice. And then from there, up to Hungary. And then over to to Vienna. And then the next morning, I realized I've got a, a crew coming on the boat. And suddenly... I'm on my way back instantly, so I barely made it back before my next crew arrived in Salerno. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so out of Salerno, see, when I went south, I I went out to uh, Capri and then headed straight south uh, right. towards the, the islands. Where did you go from Salerno? Which direction did I you go? I'm just hugging the coast all the way down. I okay. died if I was more than two or three k off the coast um, at any one point, um, um, maybe a little further sometimes, but not much. I And by now, I can kind of smell Malta, so I'm like, okay, let's just push on. So I would stay um, occasionally, I'd, I'd, you know, drop anchor, go to sleep at 6 o'clock, wake up at 6 in the morning, and, and then push on. Um, and I got down to Tropia, which was uh, a nice little town. But I, I had supplies on the boat, so I didn't really need to go ashore for anything. 
And then I, I got down as far as uh, Cilia, I think it was called. Um, S-C-I-L-L-A. Okay. Type that in here. Sicilia, Italy then. Oh, okay, Calabria. Yeah. So that's in the yeah. province of Calabria then. Okay, yes. so you're down there in mafioso country then. Okay, so yeah. that's just outside of the Straits of Messina. Just That's just before you enter the Straits of Messina then. Okay. Yep. And then I, again, I sort of woke up early in the morning and I'm like, okay, here we go, Straits of Messina. And so I, I pushed on through there, and um, when, I didn't when, when, actually, you, when you went through the Straits of Messina, did you see the uh, sword fishing boats out there? Yes, there are lots of boats. And there, I mean, it's a busy strait. You've got to kind of pay attention because there's a lot of fishing boats. There's a lot of ferries. There's some big cruise liners going around. So you, you want to pay attention. But the sword fishing boats are very unique. They've got a very tall mast and a very, very long uh, bowsprit. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they were still, because I've seen them in the summer. I didn't know if they were fishing in the winter as well. I, I saw a few. I okay. Saw a few down um, you know, there's fish to be caught. They'll go out and get them. Um, and then it was just a case of I, I pushed down the the east coast of Sicily, and I can't remember. I did, but I was probably doing about a hundred and something kilometers a day at that point because I just wanted to kind of get get down to tomorrow. Well, your your problem you're going to be having is you still need to refuel every so often. So yeah, there was a place um, I got fuel just near Messina. Yeah. Okay. Just north of Messina, there was a little. Um, that, that popped out that I found on, uh, on I because I, it was marked on uh, no foreign land that they sold fuel, so I I bought fuel just north of Messina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the boat takes about eight hundred liters, and so I got a good amount of fuel, and and that was enough to get me all the way around to Ragusa. Oh, okay. So that took you all the way down the coast and around the corner then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I stayed. There's a very nice place to stay on the southern tip of Sicily uh, called... Hang on. You, one thing you've got to look out for in Italy is the, the fishermen put out their nets and they're not very well marked. Hmm. So it's quite easy to snag a fishing net and you are not very popular with, I mean, I, cause it happened to me. It happened when I was in, um, where was I that it happened? Oh, hang on a second. Um, just on the South coast of Sicily, I think it was called Pazula. Yes. P O Z Z A L L O. P-O-Z-Z-A-L-L-O. And there was this nice little port, but it was very calm. 
and I dropped my anchor exactly where I was told to on Navali. And then um, a fisherman came up to me and he said, oh, you can't park here, uh, I'm fishing. And I said, well, okay, I'll move. But as I moved, I caught one of his fishing lines, um, which was, he, part, he dropped his fishing lines exactly where Navali told you to, to drop anchor. Hmm. Um, um, it, it was that. I mean, we got it sorted out, but it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, he's like, you, you, you've ruined my fishing, <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but you didn't mark it. But I said, look, let, I'm going to pull into the port because I, I, I want to talk to you. So we pulled into the port, and. Originally, he said, oh, you owe me 600 euros. And I said, I don't have 600 euros. I said, how about we, I give you 300 euros and we'll call it quits. And I'm, I'm sorry that I got your fishing line, but if you keep putting your fishing line there, and I showed him on the Navali map, I'm like, this is where they tell you to, to drop anchor. So someone else is going to do it. But, you know, I felt sorry for him because I did screw up his, his fishing line. I saw it. It was on the side of the dock, and it was a mess. Probably took him a day to sort it out. But, you know, I didn't do anything wrong, yeah. but I paid him it. So it's one of those things, and you're just like, you know what? Pay the man and move on. And then I, I moved down the coast a little bit to, um, what was the next place? Before I'm looking so there was another little spot. I, I don't remember. So instead of um, hopping straight over to Malta, which is what I did from Syracuse, you just worked your way around the south side of uh, Sicily, which I have never done. I've just gone straight from uh, uh, Syracuse. Yeah, I've just been told really good things about Ragusa. Okay. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go there. And it was worth it. It's, it's a really friendly marina, and um, it, it wasn't that expensive. I've forgotten. Maybe, I think it was about 48, 50 euros a night or something, which is more than I like to spend. But it was a nice marina, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to... I've stayed on the anchor quite a lot recently, so I'm just going to stay on the anchor. I'll stay in the marina for a few days. And so I did and had a nice time there. And then I think on the Monday morning, you know, we everyone got together on the Sunday night. And then on the Monday morning, I woke up and I'm like, right, here we go, Malta. Well, you were there in the winter, and that's a very, very popular wintering spot for sailors. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's a little bit daunting when you decide you're to, I mean I am not a boat person I, I, I like motorcycles and aeroplanes and cameras and music and stuff so when you leave Ragusa and you set course for Malta you can't see Malta nope. you're just heading out into the wild blue yonder which is not something I'd ever done before I've always been able to see the coastline of the place I was heading towards, which for talking to a real sailor might sound 
ridiculously pathetic. <laughs> well, it's always a, it's always nerve wracking the first time, so that's okay. Right. And so I'm like, all right, here goes. So you know, you, you set like 195 degrees, and you put the boat in cruise, and you set your autopilot, and sit back and have a beer for breakfast, um, and then about I think seven maybe eight hours later you you see the coast of Gozo so you went straight to Gozo then yeah where did you clear cut did you need to clear customs or did you just show up in Malta no you just show up in Malta they don't care okay so you went where did you go where did you make landfall in Gozo then um, I went around to because I wanted to arrive in Malta with relatively, I mean, I, I had plenty of fuel on board because I just did, but probably about a third of a tank in, in each tank. I've got two tanks, mm-hmm. um, and I had a third in each tank. But the price of fuel in Italy had been €2.20 per litre, whereas in Malta, it was €1.09. Okay, so, so you wanted to refuel in Malta then? Yes, and so I went into uh, Magar okay. and refueled, and then I left there, and I went around um, Camino, mm-hmm. and then I went south, and I think I stopped one of the bays near St. Paul's Bay. I don't remember exactly where, but I think it was near St. Paul's Bay. And I'm like, yes, it was St. Paul's Bay, definitely. I see it now. And uh, dropped anchor and stayed there the night. And then the next day, I moved around the coast. And I had booked myself into Taj Beach Marina. Is that where you've been since, or you've been moving around? Oh, I've been moving around a lot. Um in the summer, Taj Beach is quite expensive. It's about 70 euros a night. Um, so I, I'll stay there for one night, and then I'll spend a month out. You know, it's like... But there was a really good spot that you could stay at just outside the, just outside the marina near Maneo Island mm. um, that you could, you could drop your hook there and it's close enough in that you can almost row a boat to shore and then you can do your shopping. So is that on the north side of Manoa Island that you're talking about? No, it's on the south side of Manoa Island. Okay. As you come out of Taj Beach Marina and turn left towards Manoa Island and go north, there is a little area that during the winter... Well, not not just the winter. It's like any time that's not the summer, you can drop anchor there, and it's very calm, and um, you you can take advantage of everything around that area. There's great restaurants, good supermarkets, very good chandlers, um, and then you know there's Slima, which is just north of there. Um, you can get fuel. The fuel is kind of interesting in that area because they, there's not really a place that you can pull in to get fuel, but there's telephone numbers. 
So you call up the telephone number and they ask where you are and they'll tell you, oh yeah, just pull into the, the slip in Taj Beach Marina. I'll meet you there in half an hour. That's, so just, that's the way it is in Greece too. You'll call a, a, a gas station and they'll have a little tinker truck and they'll come down and fill you up. So that's to yep. be expected when you go to Greece. So that was very unusual for me. I thought, well, where do I get my fuel? And they said, oh, you just give, call, yeah. call, the, call the gas station up. They'll bring it down to you. So, Yeah, yeah. So and the other place I enjoyed in Malta was St. Julian's because I could anchor in St. Julian's free as well. Yep, yep. St. Julian's is wonderful. Yeah. Um, it's a little more exposed, but still, you know, not that exposed. Um, and you can row your boat or you know take your dinghy tender ashore um and super nice place there's tons of bars and restaurants and shops um super friendly around there and yeah very calm now in saint julian's when i was there this was in the summer and it was a party every night uh yep. right right on there because they have a lot of english-speaking schools there and kids from all over europe come down there and party and learn english is it still that way yep. now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even in the winter then, huh? Okay. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty busy. Um, I mean, not, not so busy that you felt like there's too many boats here, but um, there's plenty of boats around. And, um, you know, people just wave at each other. They're friendly. But, yeah, there's – if you don't like music – coming across the ocean to you then yeah <laughs> but there'll be some distant you know dance music going on but it that doesn't bother me at all yeah i mean you know if you're in a marina there's going to be some some line slapping on some mast and stuff and that can get a bit annoying but distant dance music doesn't bother me at all i kind of like it all right. Well, we've gone on for about another hour and 10 minutes, believe it or not. Time flies Please. when you're having fun. So, I talk too much. Steve, I enjoyed talking to you. I, let's keep in touch as you have more adventures sure. to tell me. Let's, uh, let's get another interview in about maybe six months or a year from now, okay? Yeah, let's do something in a few months when I've got more information about Malta to, to spread because it's it's such a nice country. It's it's very interesting. It's got I, amazing amazing I, history. I, and, I fell in love with the color of the stone that they build every building in. I mean I just absolutely yeah. love that honey color sandstone or limestone or whatever it is. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's not the most weather resistant stone in the world because after a hundred years or so, you know, the walls start to crumble, but um, it just adds character and it, it's very pretty. And everywhere you go, people speak English. I mean, 98% of the people who live in Malta can understand English. And so I know that's just weak of me not learning to speak French, but I'm not good at languages. I'm good at taking pictures. And so it's like, you know, um, I just, I like the fact that I can communicate with everybody. Mm -hmm. Makes it easy. It's very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll plug my website because I'm a photographer. Yeah. And I, if you, if you type in uh, payne.net, P-A-Y, 
nie.net, then um, you can see my my photographic escapades. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, cool. All right, Thank and send you. me any fo- any uh, images that you want me to put in the show notes as well. The first, our first interview that we did last week, I think, is scheduled to go out on uh, September fifteenth, and this one will probably be about a week after that. Okay, I'll send you a bunch of photographs, and you can put as many up as you want. So that'd be great. All right, and I really, I really appreciate you spending this time and taking time to to interview me. My pleasure. Let's keep in touch. Thanks a lot. You got it. Okay. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye bye. If you find any of this content valuable and you would like to support the podcast, the easiest way to do it is to go to the website, medsailor.com, and buy some of the audio lessons I've prepared for learning to sail. I have lessons for the ASA 101, the 103, and the 104. Also, if you'd like to become a Patreon, I'd appreciate it. Just click the link on the website. The website for Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond is www.medsailor.com again medsailor.com life is short in the end all that really matters is the memories you make so make a few go sailing I'm going to be selling my boat. It's got to the point where my family can't join me on the boat. I've got four grandkids, and uh, my boat is never going to be able to handle my family anymore. My wife is getting to the point where it's difficult for her to get in and out of the boat. She's 70 years old. I'm going to be 70 years old in July. And it's just a lot more work than I can handle at this point in time. It's becoming more and more difficult for me to do all the work on the boat that is required to keep the boat in the shape that I like to keep it in. So I've put a web page on the website, which is medsailor.com, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R.com. There's another website called Medsailors. That's not my website. That's a, that's a charter website. But my website is medsailor.com, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R.com. And I put some details on my boat, which is up for sale. If you are interested in possibly buying my boat, I think the best way to really evaluate my boat is to actually sail my boat. And over the next two years, I plan on moving my boat up to Florida or maybe a little north of Florida, if I need to get out of the hurricane zone, maybe up to uh, South or North Carolina, wherever it is where I end up out of the hurricane zone, and uh, leave it there to sell it. I'm gonna next year. I plan on moving it up to Puerto Rico. Currently, it is in Trinidad, so I'm going to be doing the whole length of the Caribbean over the next two summers. No, excuse me, next two winters. Uh, I'll probably start sailing this next winter in January, maybe the middle of January, and sail for two, maybe two and a half months, working my way up to Puerto Rico. And so people that are interested in the boat, I will give the opportunity to join me for a period of time on that trip up. 
It will not be free. Basically, I will sell you an option to buy the boat. And if you decide to exercise that option, then the value of that option would be applied to the purchase of the boat. I'm thinking probably $2,000 for uh, sailing with me for a week so you can evaluate the boat. And that would be that $2,000 would be considered a, uh, an option, a purchase option on buying the boat at the listed price. If you choose to exercise that option, then the price of the option would be applied to the boat. If not, then you lose that. I don't want to have people joining me on the boat just to get a free trip. That's not what I want. If I, if I want to have people for, with a free trip, then it's going to be people I know or friends or families or clients. But if you're interested, people that are interested in my boat are a very specific group of people. It's a Lyle Hess design, Bristol Channel Cutter, hull number 71. The hull was built at Sam Moore's Boat Company in California. I finished the boat myself. I took five years to finish it. I did a hell of a job finishing it. I'm proud of it. What sets my boat apart from almost all the other Bristol Channel cutters that are for sale on the internet is my bulwarks are all teak. The problem with Sam Moore's building his boats in, in Costa Mesa, California, was he used mahogany for the, uh, for the bulwarks. And he varnished them, and they look great until the varnish starts deteriorating, and you have to protect that wood. Well, with teak, you do not have to worry about it. Teak is designed to take anything you can throw at it. I've kept the boat when I'm not sailing the boat under a full cover for pretty much its entire life. So the bulwarks are all teak. You don't have to worry about sanding them. At one point in time, I put a, sort of a semi-varnish on it called a Cetal, and... It started flaking, and I just let it go. I just let the sun burn it all off. And you can still see little pieces of it around where the sun never hit. But I don't have to worry about painting my boat and maintaining those bulwarks. That by itself is probably worth at least $30,000 because teak is not cheap, and it's much more expensive now than it was when I built it. But it wasn't cheap when I built the boat. So that's a big, big part of my boat that makes it different from most other boats that you will see for sale. As I put an entire teak exterior, the only mahogany on my boat is the hatches, the forward hatch, the middle hatch, and uh, the, the frame around the cockpit hatch. They've been kept in decent shape, in good shape. In fact, I'm having them varnished, sort of down and varnished this winter while I'm away. Uh, the main portholes are unique. They're cast oval portholes with were cast custom cast from patterns which were loaned to me by Larry Party. I have a full wind vane, which is the uh, wind vane that Larry Party designed. I built it myself, but Mike Anderson, my friend in Newport Beach, makes these commercially. I built my own, and it works great. It sailed me all the way across the Atlantic. I hardly touched the tiller all the way across the Atlantic. If you want to be a true blue water sailor, you need to have this wind vane on your boat if you have a Bristol Channel cutter. And if you don't, uh, then you need to have some sort of auto helm or self-steering. So anyway, if you have an interest in this, be sure you reach out to me. Uh, you can write me at franz 
number one at medsailor.com, Franz one at medsailor.com, and we can talk about it. I haven't put together my schedule for next winter, but I'm going to basically break it up into about six different legs. So probably you join me for about a week at a time and then move on. Then the next crew would join me and so forth on, on up to Puerto Rico where I, I'm hoping to leave the boat over the next summer. I guess it's not the winter. I'm summering the boat now. 